In Sex After, we are getting raw and honest about the most challenging aspects of sex, intimacy, and relationships after seismic change. This is Amy Marks. We're having intimate and unfiltered conversations with people who've been through life-altering experiences, and I'm finding out what sex and intimacy are like for them in the after. We're getting naked physically and getting naked emotionally. This is Sex After. I am so looking forward to sitting down and talking with Nakia Gamby-Turner. Nakia and I first met on Zoom during the pandemic when she was in a reading of my play, Nice Tits, and we instantly bonded. Nikia is an actress who you can see on Abbott Elementary, and she's also in Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story. I'm so thankful Nikia said yes when we asked her to come on Sex After and share her story. We recorded this interview with Nikia over a year and a half ago, and it's also the first time that I got to meet her in person. Uh, Nikia is a breast cancer survivor and is approaching her 20-year anniversary of being cancer-free. Please welcome Nikia Gamby-Turner. Even at 30 years old and the, the options that I had, I would have probably made different options, you know, different decisions. But also I'm thinking about I'm still learning the workspace. You know what I mean? I'm still learning, you know, can I be gone? And will I miss, you know, will I lose my job if I'm going out on medical leave? You know, I was. So what decision did you what did you choose to do? So my first decision was to do a latissimus flap. So um, wait, but you, you chose to have a double mastectomy. I, no, no, I, no, I, no, you I, did not. First I had a lumpectomy. That's what I had first. Yeah. Right. First I had a lumpectomy. I had one doctor tell me that uh, I would look deformed if she did it. Black women or minority women specifically really have to be diligent about who they have as their doctors because these people treated me like I was the stupidest, most black, dumb ridiculous person. Nikki, you think that's because you're black? Yes. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. This man told me to go get a job at Savon's and Ralph's and went get some good insurance so that I, he could put my boo back on after he took it for a year. He was and, and kept saying stuff like people like you. No. People like you. And, and people like you. In minority people, we see this all the time. You're the last to know, first to go. You don't really go to the doctor. Wait, much. wait, you, wait, all right. You're spewing so much. A doctor, <laughs> a, doctor a doctor said to you, you're the last said to know and the to first to go. Me, you're the last. Minority people, people like you, are the last to know, first to go. You know, so we'll we'll take we'll take the lump. You know, we'll study it because we're trying to figure out. Why this happens? Why right. do why do minority people? Why does this happen to minority people so much? And blah 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 blah. I was pursuing acting at the time, so I didn't have a I didn't have a specific job. I was doing odd work, you know, trying yeah, to just course. make a living, keeping my apartment and all that kind of stuff. And thankfully, I didn't because I was able to go through all of this. And my mother and I were paying cash because we didn't have a, another way. So when she inquired about like, is there any program? She's very young. What can we do? He, they were like, uh, they were like, well, I don't know. We don't take medical, and and you know, she could get on medical, but we don't know anybody that's gonna do plastic surgery for medical. So you know we could just take your boob and then you could just have it flat and then when you get some good this is what he said you could just have it flat. Uh, my uh, like i yeah i'm not even saying <laughs> you can have it flat and then in a year come back and we'll put the boob back on and i looked at him 
First of all, first of all, this, <laughs> I, I, it, 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 there's just so much to unpack with this. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just can't believe that he used the term "put the boo back on." Yeah, and can't believe he said people. It's just yeah. Well, I couldn't. Was he your either. doctor? Did what, no, no. Okay, he was, thank he was a okay. specialist. He would just come and find people like me to say, "Hey, come to this hospital over okay. here." But the woman who was supposed to be my surgeon literally walked up to the thing and was like, "Who, you know?" And this is referred to by my gynecologist, who's amazing. So I'm thinking everybody's gonna be amazing. Right. This one walks up, puts the mammogram up, and says, okay, see this right here? This is cancer. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, and I was like, I'm sorry, excuse me? So I, okay, so I, I just want to say this because I think it's really, really important. Mm-hmm. People have to know to get first and, and second, second and, and third, third. And, yes. and do what they need to do until it feels right. Like, right. Be, like I'm such a big believer in you need to advocate for yourself, mm-hmm. and you also need if you have a community of people who can advocate with you. Yes. Because no one's doing it for you. No. No one's no, doing it well, for I us. I tell people, like, especially minority, but but this is an ongoing, and this is a whole, this, this the whole other. a whole That's other, a whole other show. This is a whole other show that we should t- actually talk yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, because if we're in pain, we don't get certain medication. Like, this is not the first time, this is probably the first time you're hearing this, but this is not the first time I'm hearing this from minority women, especially black women. You know, because since the beginning of time, they People have been told that our tolerance is higher. So then you try to find minority doctors so that you don't feel so alone in this because we do try to advocate for ourselves and we get pushback, you know, and this is what I got from these people. So I left there crying. And by the time I got home, you know, my mother went to go to the grocery store. I'm talking to my friend on the phone and she's like, you know, it's called a practice for a reason. You just need to get a second opinion. And I was like, Oh, you're right. But by the time I was even thinking to tell my mother that that's what we need to do, she comes home and tells me that what a a woman that I grew up with, she's a woman now, but I grew up with her at our church is a breast doctor who Mm. specializes in cancer and breast cancer. And she does surgery for mastectomies and all that kind of stuff. Is that who you went to? That's who I went to. And she's a black woman and she's, she's about five years older than I am. And she took great care of me. And that's the only reason I got to the point of having a double mastectomy. Because I wasn't ready for all of that. So, so all right. So you, you had DCIS in your right or your left breast. My right. Right. But you chose to... Do a lumpectomy first. Okay. She was like, we could probably get it all. Let me, let's just see. So I have the, you know, the long scar from the lumpectomy. Then she was like, no... It's it's kind of spread like oil and water in, in your in your duct in your milk ducts because that's where ductal yeah. carcinoma yeah. in site two lives in your milk ducts and if it if you leave it there too long it could spread out you know and metastasize and then go out into your lymph nodes and all that kind of stuff. So you chose to. So I chose to do the lumpectomy first. Then after that I had to do a mastectomy, but I you know still wanted to keep my left boob, and what no one told me is that okay, but every six months on this boob. You're going to have to go get checked. Yeah, of course. So I was, so I didn't find that out until after I had already had my latissimus muscle removed, which is the muscle in your back that you kind of need to function every day, all day, and put into my front so that I could have a hanging boob that looked like my huge giant boob that was a 34 double D, you know, huge cup, right. to, to have it match. Then I go every, you know, the first six months I go, I'm like, I can't do this every six months. So I'm going to just go ahead and take my boob. And here's what's interesting. Same doctor, the black doctor, was like, you know, I'm going to warn you, though, if you need, <laughs> she was like, excuse my language, but if you uh, orgasm using your breast or anything like that, you may not want to have it removed. I was like, I don't have that problem. <laughs> yeah, and that's something I think that um, 
they don't mention that much mm-hmm. that you for for those of you who are blessed enough to never have had cancer mm-hmm. you lose sensation when you, you have do. your breast removed you i mean i've gotten uh some nerve endings back but you really Same. i mean you really lose sensation some in my back and, some and in my but where my scars are it kind of goes out still like nipple i yeah. have like you know if, no if, and my nipples so i mean you know we'll talk more about it but they're so right. tiny it's like you can hardly even see them because right. they were made out bother. of they were made out of my own skin yeah. but i luckily was not a woman who had a lot of orgasms from touching my breast. It's just yeah. so. No, that's where that's not where my orgasms coming from. So I was. We'll like get very to that. Happy. We'll get yes. to that later. <laughs> but I do want to ask you this because that's a that's a another long conversation. But I do want to ask you this because it's I mean as someone who lost their breast to cancer, mm-hmm. it's just such a huge, it's just such a huge decision on all levels. Mm-hmm. But I think before people can understand what it's like to lose your breasts, it's really important to talk about a woman's relationship to their breasts because boobs and women are, it's a huge thing Mm -hmm. in society. It's a huge thing. It's just a really big deal. So what was your relationship with your breasts? I was devastated when I, I mean, did you love, like, like, did you love your Muffy that called them Muffy and Buffy? They were my pride and joy. Muffy and Buffy. Muffy and Buffy. Did they, did that name just come to you? Was there a reason you called them Muffy and Buffy? This was Muffy and Buffy, because they were so big. The right was Muffy warm. and the left was Buffy. It was Muffy and Buffy, yeah, <laughs> Muffy and Buffy. And I just, as as I was growing, so I got breast really early. Well, I got breast late, but I got big breast. Like, it was like no breast, and then they were double D. Yeah. And I was 13. Wow. So I had So to- that in itself, <laughs> I mean, that, I, I could talk to you for hours about that, because mm-hmm. I know women who develop young and they have large breasts mm-hmm. that that can, can cause emotional issues yeah it did and then i didn't you know i, I and i started my period around the same time mm-hmm. too so, period okay everybody knows you get period. but i started <laughs> i started and then it was very my my periods were very tumultuous my boobs were huge i'm 13 years old I'm how were kids at school with your weird because i had these big old boobs were and girls were just as weird who was weirder girls boys. or boys boys so once I was able to really fall in love with my booze, which is right around college, my body changed, I changed, everything was falling into place. I knew like what to do with them, how to lift them up, how to, you know, it was yeah. part of the thing now. So that's where I really found like my, I lost my virginity in college. I, that's where I found my sexual prowess, what they meant for me, you know, how they, so I fell in love with them. I was just getting used to the idea of them. And then 10 years later, they're going to be taken away. Yeah. And what that changes for my life sexually with people, places and things, you know what I mean? Or, or how, you know, how I walk about the world because I was so, you know, I had worked so hard to have my body a certain way. I was in the gym all the time. Oh, right. I, right. right. Back at you. My yeah. boobs were like, I didn't have much, butt, but I, the boobs, the boobs were the thing, man. Nikia, <laughs> I have to tell you, I was known cause you, you now seeing me in person, mm-hmm. you see how tiny I mm-hmm. am. So I was like, I had a running joke that my boobs entered a room before me. Like that was the thing. And I, and I was someone who liked it. Yeah, you know, not, not everybody likes that, yeah. but I loved it. I played it. I mm-hmm. worked it. So it was, me when I made the choice because it was my choice mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. to, to uh, let go of my breasts mm-hmm. it, it was a game changer for me for and sure. I had to re-explore so I'm curious I had to re-explore what it meant for me to be a woman what my sexuality meant uh, it's still isn't it amazing 12 years later it's still like will I still be beautiful will men still find me beautiful and then most importantly, do I still find me beautiful? Because yes. I don't know about you, but that's my that that's my biggest that's lesson. The main part. Like, yes, we'll talk about dating and when do I tell a man and all that stuff. 
But I learned that if I don't love me and if I can't accept this part of me, mm-hmm. then I can't expect anyone else to. Yeah. So could you tell me about, like, your journey after? Like, like Oh, absolutely. It wasn't easy. I spent a lot of time being very depressed about where I was. I, You know, 17 years, it took me about, I want to say, 10 years to really get comfortable with Can I just stop again? you for one second? Sure. Congratulations on 17 years. Thank you. Because it's like we get caught yeah. up, and I still every day wake up and I go, I survived. Yeah. Right? Same. Same. So. Every day I get a breath is is a blessing. Yes. So, you know, because what could have been? Do you know what I mean? And I do. What could have been, been my fault? I will say this. Uh, it took me about 10 years to really be super-duper comfortable with, Looking at myself in the mirror, walking around naked, mm-hmm. uh, you keep, you know. I wish I could, I could give you all a visual, but it looks like my breasts are winking. I have a scar across one breast, and I have, you know, because I had something else done on the other side. My nipples were very big, so when they took my nipple, there's a big round hole, like or a big round scar that I have mm-hmm. right where my nipple was supposed to be. When they removed them, my breasts were five pounds each, so that that's just. <laughs> That should tell you how big they were. And then uh, because it was Did so you go, did you, uh, when you got reconstruction, did you have the same size or did you go smaller oh, well, you or see my, Do you see how my decolletage is right here? Yeah. Because uh-huh. it, it was so far over that they couldn't, um, uh, the, and I have this little. Key is showing me part of her breast. <laughs> I, I just want to, I just want to share, just for those of you. Because that's what happening. we do. We're like, you want to see them? Look. Oh my god! I've shown women have like show me their breasts in Starbucks bathrooms. Yeah. I've seen more. I've gotten more action than men get because the community of cancer survivors Same. is so incredible. Same. But I'm sorry. Go back to no, let, no let, let me so, see your breasts. Okay, again. so you see how my so th- this this one's here, and then this one has like this big old scar here. Yeah, you're okay, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm our sorry. Engineers. There are engineers here, and the key and I are like, "Oh wait, let me show you my boob." He's like, "When are you going to book your next session here? This is the best podcast I've ever heard." Well, I'm supposed to be a double D. Doesn't feel like it because the weight of the, the what I had and what I have now, uh, you know, it, they look good in a shirt. So that's really all I wanted that's because I, feel. I wanted to feel like a woman and. And honestly, during a lot of that time, I had a lot of sex. Like I, I, I have to back you up for one second, and then I want to hear about your sex because I because <laughs> uh, I always want to hear about sex. Why do you think it's our breasts that make us feel like a woman? Um, because even if I was to give birth, which I don't want to, mm-hmm. uh, you know that that's part of your nature and your nurture. You know, you you feed your children with your breasts. You know, it's the first thing people notice on you when you when you walk into a room, when you walk into a place. It's the first thing that shows you that you are a woman when you're a child. You know, you get training bras because you're anticipating breasts. You don't anticipate your period. You anticipate breasts. Girls fight over, like, whose breasts are bigger in elementary school. You know, you see your friends develop faster than you. You're like, oh, I'm not a woman yet. Do you know what I mean? That's always seems to be. Society has said... These are these are what make you a woman, and then you start to believe those things too, because everybody is always talking about how that makes you a woman. Right. So, and then you feel like a woman because men, you know, love it too. They and do. They, and they, oh, and absolutely. they want you know, and they want to nuzzle in it and do the da. So you're like, oh my gosh, and then to have it be gone, and you don't know what that's gonna look like, and you don't know what that's gonna feel like, and then when you find out what it does feel like, it's very like something was ripped. 
away from you. Absolutely. That you cannot ever get back. Ever get back. And I think, and listen, I love my doctor. Yeah. My doctor's my angel, and I'm very, very grateful for the care I had. Mm-hmm. But I think my wish would be that in the medical community, they would have more support. Same. And they would talk to women more. This, like, kills me. About what the emotional impact because I think it, I, my emotional impact, I still sometimes feel years later. Mm-hmm. Oh, same. And you learn how to live with things. It gets easier. It doesn't go away. But that's exactly. You, you know like, what? That's exactly does. right. You it know? gets, yes. Mourning you, never really, when you lose something, friend, relationship, death, you never, you never, it never really It's always part away. of you. Yeah. Right. That's right. And, and and then when you are trying to be in the world and see people and love them or I even sometimes I will cry if I see a girl in a beautiful dress and I know I can't wear that dress because I don't have cleavage and my cleavage is terrible looking or whatever how I might feel. I've just gotten really comfortable. I'm I'm very now comfortable with my body and actually I'll wear something that might show my scar I don't care so let me just ask you a question that I think is really important what was your process I hate these keywords journey process but it's what's coming to my brain in in becoming comfortable first I had to spiral okay so (laughs) let's do the spiral my spiral my spiral was if I'm going to die I'm going to do everything in my possibility to live so that meant whatever drug I wanted to do, except for anything. Then I was like, well, Nakia, if you live, then you're going to be some sort of drug addict. And you don't want that either. So what drugs are you going to do? Okay, so I'm going to smoke weed. I'm going to drink as much as I want to. I'm going to eat. I was a vegan at the time. I'm going to eat all the meat I'm going to. But the one thing that I knew that I could do it, that really was like easy and, and could allow me to feel like a woman was have sex. And I had so much sex. I'm so jealous. With half surgery, like, you know, still having, you know, <laughs> um, sutures. No, sutures. having sutures in my chest and still having, you know, stuff. Because you don't have to take your shirt off to have sex. Okay, so let's, okay, let's talk about that. <laughs> let's talk about that. I went through, I went the uh, route of uh, finding really fabulous lingerie. Oh, like really no. sexy, but I'm gonna think you just didn't care. You I just did didn't care. take your shirt off. I didn't take my shirt off. I and then I was like, I just had you know some procedures done, some surgery or whatever. Maybe they thought I had implants done. I don't care. Whatever. I was just like, I have to wear this. So this is how this is gonna go. And it was you know and this, oh oh this I, enough. And again, if you're not a titty man, who who, who cares? So what? I, not that as long you're as your vagina know. works. What? It's <laughs> my favorite thing you say. As long as your vagina works, but. Again, what percentage of the men you, like, had sex with would you say were titty men? I don't usually normally get titty men. I don't. I don't normally get titty men either, and I can't really say. I just think that, and I I wasn't thinking about it. But they didn't care. But they didn't care. My vagina worked. That's all it. And we had this chemistry, and I was, I don't know what about me at that time was very, like, super aggressive, Uh but uh I was going after it. Like, I was after it. I was like, do you want to, do you? And, and they and they weren't and they were like, like okay. they weren't like come on no. I miss boob nope they no. didn't miss boobs no no because also I'm very I could be sexy and persuasive if I want to oh so, I'm sure you, know, you can you know. <laughs> so you know it's like clearly it was something that I needed and something that God allowed me to do seriously yeah yeah <laughs> because now you know now yes I could go and have sex with anybody that I want to. But I don't choose to because I am in a different space in my life. Like, I really do love where I am in my life right now. I love my acceptance of myself. I love who I am. I love the lessons that I've learned uh, along the way. I love that I went through those things and I came out on the other end. I love that 
What uh, was the darkest part of your spiral? My darkest part was probably when I was uh, going to take my life in in 2007. I was in the Dominican with my friends, and there is a, a there is something dissociative disorder or dissociative, you know, cognition yeah. is very real, mm-hmm. and so. They say it happens a lot when people are traumatized. Traumatized. And yeah. this was my biggest trauma. So I did step out of, I stepped out of myself to allow something else to move, someone else to move her. I call her Sandra. I don't know why I call her Sandra. But Sandra was the one that was taking care of everything. And so then I would, Nakia would come back in and be like, is everything all right out there? And then so I would So did your friends, your, but your friends didn't know it was Sandra. You no. just, you, it was just in your brain. It was, how yes. you, Okay, it, great. Yeah, my friends didn't know it was Sandra. I didn't know it was Sandra until I woke up in the Dominican and I was like, where am I? So what happened that day that you decided to take your life? Um, I woke up. And I was like, where am I? <laughs> and then I realized that I was in the Dominican, and I realized that I was with friends of mine. And then I looked at myself in the mirror, and I was like, who is that? I didn't recognize myself. I was bigger. I was wearing, I don't know what an outfit I was wearing. I'm very, I love fashion. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I know. It's like yeah. my thing. And so I, you know, I didn't know how to dress this body. And I, you know, then I looked at my clothes and my, and my luggage, and I was like, who's like it? Like, I did not recognize so you really had a split i had a split split. so then there was also i was like was there a guy that i was having sex with here (laughs) so i found him and i was like so hey and he was just kind of like being a little nonchalant with me Mm -hmm. it was like no connection there it was really weird i remember it like it was yesterday right and i was like this is not how i thought this would go but i immediately was looking around it was new year's eve I was looking around like, okay, what would be the best way to get rid of myself? And like nobody find out. So then I was like, I don't swim well. I'll just jump into the pool. I've never jumped. You know, I I, I swim. I have swim, swam, but I'm not a big like, oh, I'm just going to jump in the deep end. Right, right. I mean, you know, I have to like dog paddle out there, get used to it and all that kind of stuff. Then start jumping in to get myself more comfortable because mm-hmm. I don't swim a lot. So I was like, yeah, I'm jumping in the pool. I'm wading water. I don't know how to wade water. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no, this is not how this is not how this is, has to happen. So then I get out the pool and I immediately run down to the beach. Because I remember my my Nakia self remembers there was a beach that had this little drop off. This was how many years after your surgery? This was I no, I had surgery in 2004. I had three surgeries within five years. Right. I had two major ones when in 2004. Then I had two major ones in 2005, and then I had one more in 2006 for the flap. So when you were in the Dominican, this was 2007. Seven. Okay. okay. So I was, you know, coming out of all that. I had gotten my hair braided. You know, I was pre- really prepared for it, and I, you know, and I bought all the outfits because, again, I didn't know how to dress. I didn't know plus-size clothing, and I didn't know how to dress for a plus-size woman. And by plus-size, I because wasn't— Because you were always very tiny. Yeah. yeah. And by plus-size, I wasn't, like, a size 20 or 28. I was a size, like, 14 or 16, but I just didn't know how to dress it. And, you know, and then my thighs got bigger, my butt got bigger, and I would go shop at my normal stores or go to my thrift stores and couldn't fit anything because I didn't recognize myself. Oh, you were. Right. So So you went to the ocean. So I went to the ocean. I kept walking out, and I was waiting for the drop, like a drop, so that I could just (gasps) and, and go. So I'm walking out. I'm walking out. 
I'm walking out. I turn and look at my friends. They're still cheering and laughing and cheering and laughing, but nothing is coming above my waist. Now, this at this point, they're really far. I'm really far, 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 far in the water, and nothing is coming above my waist. So I look one more time at them, how far I was, and they were way out there, way still laughing and jumping, but I couldn't hear them anymore. It was just me and God at this point. And I kept walking and I was like, why would you, like, I was like, why would you do this to me? Why would you leave me here looking like this, feeling like this? What did I do? Did I deserve this? And he was like, if you don't take yourself, and I would like to, well, me and God, our relationship is very like, we talk, right? <laughs> so he basically, hey, this is how I like to frame it. He was like, if you don't take your ass back to the shore, uh, because that you're, you're God's ass. Yeah, he does. Yeah. I like he was that. like, if you don't take your ass back to the shore and how dare you do that to your friends on vacation? And I was like, Oh, you're right. So I walked back and I told no one yeah. for years. I'm just oh, for, years, for, years. for years. I never told them the story. I was, cause I was going through so much mentally and I didn't know how I had to get therapy after that. I went to therapy well, immediately. Thank God. Yeah. And that's what helped me get to the point that I am now. Understanding that self-love is the best love and that when you show that and people see it, then they will love you in kind. So, Nikia, I, people talk about self-love a yeah, lot. Yeah. You know, again, it's one of those hot button words. Mm -hmm. But I think saying, oh, love yourself, self-love is one thing. But I think finding your way to loving yourself yeah. is something completely different. So, yeah. so what were your ways? My ways were allowing myself to, allowing myself to mourn. To, to know that... So I'm, I'm stopping you because okay. that's huge. Mm -hmm. Allowing yourself to mourn. To mourn. To mourn the loss, to mourn my loss, to mourn myself, to forgive myself. You know, for and, and people are like, why would you forgive yourself? You had cancer. But it's like, I've, to forgive myself for the, for the way that I went about dealing with myself when I had something that I couldn't control. And the world is about control. Mm -hmm. and, and, people's, and controlling people's feelings and emotions about you. Right. But the only thing that you can ever control is yourself, period. And that's something that I had to learn. It's not about other people's validation. It's about my own. It's about how I feel about myself. It's about knowing that I deserve more and I'm worth more and that there are reasons and purposes and learning your lessons. You know, all of this, what I know now is the biggest, best, and I'm getting goosebumps, the biggest, best lessons I've learned is that, lesson that I learned is that if it wasn't for all of this, I wouldn't be where I am right now. I wouldn't be the best actor I am. I, I had to go through all of this to come to this point in my life where my career is. One, you're doing incredibly. Doing you're incredible doing incredible. We'll career. talk about that in yeah. a second. But you're doing my career has well. taken off because I I took the time to really figure out how to fall in love with myself. It's not an easy thing. And do I'm you not, think before your breast, uh, the loss of your breast, you loved yourself? No. It was a different kind of thing. It was more of a like, ooh, look at that. Now I'm this thing. You know, first I was, because I felt like I was kind of like an ugly, like an ugly, you know, either people are like, you're gorgeous, or they're like, not at all. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I kind of felt like I always kind of laid in that area, but no one was ever really, or if they were, you know, and then I had all of this rejection because I have these big old boobs and I'm thinking it's me, but these boys are intimidated or something. Right. And then I get into college and I'm able to date and I'm able, you know, and then I'm the spicy little, you know, and then I'm like, Ooh, power, right. power. But it was still very superficial. 
superficial power. Because it's power based on how other people feel about and you, my, not the how perce- you their feel perception about of me. That's yeah, exactly and right. how I deal with them, and if I'm, you know, spicy. Or but don't you think so many of us get our power from how other people feel? Absolutely, because we we want affirmation. Absolutely, which is not the thing that should inform us. It should be our own affirmation that right. informs us. Easier said than done. Absolutely, because we care so much about what people think. Right. But when you take that out of the equation, you realize you're much better off not caring what people think and only allowing yourself to care about what you think about yourself. And then you start fighting yourself because you're, you know, the yin and yang, angel, devil, it's all relative. You know, people, there's so much, you know, fight over Christy, you know, who's doing what right, blah, blah, blah. It's all the same. Mm-hmm. All the no, same. I that voice that. that tells you you can't, the voice that tells you you can't has to be louder than that. It has to be forever. Forever. It's never going to go away. Self-love is, is a choice you have to make every day. You have to wake every up day. and choose to love yourself. Love on yourself. You're not going to have the best days all the time. You know, there's levels of grief, too. And there's, you know, you just have to figure out how to come within yourself and, and figure out how to give yourself a hug at every stage. Wherever your trauma started, I had to hug my five-year-old self, (laughs) you know, the five-year-old self that thought, you know, no one wanted me to succeed or that, you know, I couldn't pursue my passions or my dreams. So I shut down. I had to hug the teenage girl who was miserable in high school. Didn't know whether she was coming or going. I had these big old boobs and, and, you know, 20-day long periods. It was just, you know, I was super depressed. Mm -hmm. This college girl, actually, I bring her with me. Because that was the most confident I ever felt in my entire life. There's portions of her that were terrible. How I allowed shallowness and and someone looking good and myself looking good. But but look at our society. If you talk about how you allow shallowness. I I have my dear girlfriend, her daughter's a teen now. And with Instagram and social Mm -hmm. media... It's so much about, it's it's really so much shallow. We don't talk as much about the beauty of the inside, Mm -hmm. which I think when you go through something that we went through, Mm -hmm. you have to really get to the inside. Well, you see all these kids and all these men and trying to be pumped up and, you know, and then you have the men who are like not that, who want women who look like that. It's so ridiculous. And and I've in learn in learning myself, I learned that I don't want kids. I don't have to be. I'm not traditional in that sense. I don't want. Yeah, I, I didn't love have men. Kids, so I I'm love with men. You. I want to have lovers. I want to travel the world and have lovers. Are That's you <laughs> speaking of lovers? Let, hold on, since we're talking about lovers, and it's COVID times, and men are weird about you saying that in person. Like, I, I I'm, I'm fine to take a lover. Well, that, that means that you don't want to. It's like oh, no, it sounds fantastic. I think it sounds fantastic, Nikia. I think it sounds. I do too. But how do you approach your? Um, do you tell men about your surgery before? Um, or what? What if we decide to get intimate? Or actually, I tell. I say, you know, it comes up in conversation because I'm always like, I'm a, you know, I'm a 17 year cancer survivor, or I'll be 17, year, and that's great, and blah 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 blah, and I had a double mastectomy, so I feel like that it's already mentally there mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. And then if we are intimate, I go, okay, I'm going to show you this. Uh, but sometimes it, like a couple of times it happened like really quick. And I was like, oh, by the way, I should tell you that I don't actually have traditional titties. My plastic surgeon, because I talked to him about mm-hmm. this, he would say, look, if they're not, it's not the right person for you. Absolutely. If a man doesn't want to be with me, well, you know, in, mm-hmm. my, in my show I have mm-hmm. that line, because of it, then he's not the right man for he's me. He's not. He's not. Right? Because if I have scars or tiny little nipple, like, mm-hmm. if you don't want to love me because of that, then I was saved. Yeah, absolutely. Well, 
and again, finding self-love, you realize that there's so many broken people, especially after you have a lot of therapy, too. There's so many broken people, and they are just trying to figure out how to survive in this world, too. I think so many of us, Nakia, are really trying to figure out how to make it. And I think since COVID, since um, so it's this just, was a mass trauma. COVID yeah, was a mass, mass trauma. Everybody is having, tra- look at what's going on in the world. People are, but like, freaking out. People are freaking out. And, you know, people don't remember how to be outside. People yeah. want things to go back to normal. We'll never, there'll never be another normal, just like with our own bodies. Well, that's exactly, <laughs> as Nikki and I both right. are touching ourselves. No, there, there won't be. There will it's never the, be a normal. No, it's you, my new I normal. I will never have titties again. I have to get over it. You know, you have the stuff that you have to let go of. It doesn't mean you're, you, you know, you're not supposed to become numb. You're just supposed to accept the fact that there are certain things in your life. If we didn't try to control things ourselves, sometimes I think right. maybe it would, you know, be, a, you know, because uh, truthfully, if I ever had cancer again, I wouldn't tell anybody. I would just live the rest of my life and go on because I don't ever want to feel anything like this again. Or disappointment, or have how people treat or turn or feel when you are sick. Because and I and I used to didn't get why people would wouldn't tell people that they were sick, and now I get it because people treat you differently. I think you have to be like I was very careful with the amount of people I told. I had my inner circle that mm-hmm. I told, um, and then so many people didn't know until I wrote my show, mm-hmm. and they were like, "You?" I was like, "Yeah," mm-hmm. you know, but they didn't know until I wrote a play about it. Because then I felt it was time. Because I think we have to be very careful who we tell, when we tell too. them. It's such a lonely place to live. It, well, for me, you know, I, because, again, we're not, we're told that this is a 40-year-old white woman's disease. And as a 30-year-old woman, as a 30-year-old black woman, not expecting to get anything like this at any point in time, and then having friends who are like, what? What is that? Why are you? What? What? Like, What? And then, you know, well, and then trying to talk to them about it, and they have no clue what I'm talking about. And then trying to talk to women about it, and it's older women who are already well-married and well, right. you know, into their lives. And they're like, oh, I just got my removed. And I'm like, yeah, you have a whole husband who doesn't care. You probably don't even have sex that much anymore. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I, one thing I would like to do is uh, a show with the partners of people who lost idea. their uh, breast to cancer because I think it's it, – affects everyone yeah. and uh now listen you're, you're with a man and he can't say oh my god i miss your breasts he, he because that would just not be right but i think it's a loss for well, the, or the say, woman why can't he say because oh i god, think I let, uh, let me tell you a story okay okay so when roy and i were together sorry roy if you hear this i had said to him like we're being intimate and i said stupid 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 question i said which breasts do you like better my old ones or my new ones, because I was so desperately trying to love my breasts. Mm -hmm. And Roy was really honest. And he said, well, of course, your old ones. Mm -hmm. And the key, it broke me. Mm -hmm. Now, he's right, because in truth, I would love to have my old breasts back. But by now, maybe they'd be, you know, my breasts will never drop because they're implants, so that's nice. Um, But again, it has to be me. Mm -hmm. So I, 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 because I think the partner does go through a loss of their own. Absolutely, which is why it should be okay for him to say that he prefers the, your other breast. I think that's, <laughs> I, I personally think that's a hard thing to say to a woman going through it. Well, you asked the question, though. You did. And but but I think a lot of people but honest. a lot of people ask questions. They go, do I look fat in this? And a lot of, like, husbands will have learned to go, no, honey, you look beautiful. 
Because when I'm not saying one's right or wrong, but I'm just saying it becomes a hard truth. And, and I shouldn't have asked the question. I should not have asked the question, but I think there's the grace of maybe now's not the time. Maybe just the answer is I found you beautiful both ways. That's all I'm saying. Well, then that's trying to control what his, I mean, I, I, well, I'm just you, you expected, you expect, you were hoping that his answer would be such, and it was not. And that's something that we have to, because I'm a, I'm a, I, I love people to be honest with me. I don't, I don't want anybody to sugarcoat anything, especially if I, I don't ask questions to stuff that I don't want to know the answer Right, but to. not everybody is like that. I know. You know, so not, know. A, not everybody also, is like that. But also, if you're going to ask it, you have to be prepared for what comes. And no, but not everybody can do that. Yeah. And not everybody, like this was, this was maybe five months in for mm -hmm, me. Mm -hmm. And I just desperately wanted my partner to tell me that I was beautiful. Well, that's what that's I wanted. Not the partner that you were supposed to be with. Of course. Right. And I'm not, right. Right? right? But I'm just saying, I because I think it's it's really complicated. And I think people don't know it what to say. Is. And and people say the wrong things. And people get uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And that's why I do want to do a show about that. Yeah. Because... Um, it's very hard. It's very hard to know what to say because every person's going to respond differently. Yeah, and everybody and everybody treats everything differently. Period. Like I have, you know, family members that can't even say that they love you to your face. Like they can't actually say the words, and you desperately wanted to. You want to hear that, or I'm proud of you, or whatever, and they can't give it to you. But thankfully, you know, therapy has helped me understand that you have to accept, you have to meet people where they are. And in that situation with Roy or with, with anyone that you ask a question to that you may not get the answer that you want, you have to understand that that's the best that they could do. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But I'm saying on my end, it was such a vulnerable moment. Yeah. And you, would, that you those were hoping are, that he would just kind of I just of wanted him to say, you're beautiful. I just yeah, wanted him that to is say, Amy, you're, you're absolutely beautiful. That is understandable. Um, because, but also he's going through it too. Well, that's my point, and that's why I want to have those conversations. Because he is going through it. Mm -hmm. He doesn't know what to and say, you, and he was great. He I just want to say this. Though. I want to say this. Mm -hmm. He was incredible. Yeah, he was with me every surgery. He slept in the hospital. He was amazing. He was. So then, what happened? Okay, we're not. That's a whole. <laughs> I don't know. We'll call him Roy. <laughs> going back to Instagram mm -hmm. and your anniversary. Mm -hmm. You did something special for one of your anniversaries I on did. Instagram. Could I you tell did. me about that? On my 14-year anniversary, I decided to take photos of my um, nude, not nude, like top, my top part, my breast, um, because I needed to let it go. And you posted them on Instagram. And I posted them on Instagram, and I wrote the story about, and I cried the entire day when I did it because it was so cathartic, and it made me feel so powerful. Yeah. And great. And so that if anybody had any questions of what it might look like or if they decided to date me, this is what you're getting. And then I just recently, again, in October, posted a photo and said this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month because because there has to be a face to it. People Absolutely. Don't, people don't get to see, and the people that I know don't, you know, and it's like every time I, I, I post it like every once in a while, but this time, for whatever reason, it just hit a little bit. What was the response? What did, what did people say? You're, you're, you're so brave. You're a goddess. You're so happy you're here. Yes, Beautiful. warrior, you know, congratulations on survive. I lost my mom to this. Good to see people being, it's always a really wonderful response. Also, some people are like, that was tough to see like I didn't honest. yeah that's honest I, and and rightfully so it is it so is tough to I see. find this interesting and I I think it's interesting and this mm -hmm. goes back to the sexuality mm -hmm. and losing your breasts mm -hmm. 
you were able to post that picture on Instagram because you don't have nipples. Yep. So I, this, this is why it's also so hard for me. Mm-hmm. Because so many people think of the sexual part of a breast. Is a nipple. Is the nipple. Yeah. So the fact that Instagram says Joanne, whoever, can't show her breasts because she has a nipple. Mm -hmm. And that you and I can because we don't. Mm -hmm. So that's the part for me with the sexuality. So you're saying to me that my breasts are no, my breasts are no longer sexual Mm -hmm. because I don't have a nipple. Yes, but also I think that... Um, as far as Instagram As far goes. as Instagram. Well, yeah, because, you know, and then you'd have to kind of blur or whatever if you did. Correct. Or something like that. But it's it's very it's very interesting, Instagram, because the stuff that they allow and that they don't allow is very weird because I've seen people with their nipples showing and da-da-da-da-da. But even like a Playboy spread, right? Or a play, you know, Playboy has Instagram and they show women almost half naked with little things covering their boobs. But they're not showing the nipple, right? But also, we would never be allowed to be on a play in a Playboy or anything like that with this kind of situation. Like I would the mastectomy because Nikki yeah, is yeah, uh, referencing sorry. her. Bra- they're like, the, what the situation? Mastectomy. Like I would love to do a scene where they actually showed a woman, you know, making love. Who doesn't have breasts? So would I. I would love to see that. that so would like I. She, and then there's a whole backstory to that. So would and I. And I thought I was going to get a chance on this J.J. Abrams project mm-hmm. um, that I did not get. I'm very sorry. I was like, oh, hold it, everything. I was like, yeah. No. It's okay. But you got close. Yeah. You got close. But it wasn't, it wasn't meant to be. So the past five years since I've been back, I have booked more than I ever have. What do you think caused this flurry of incredible activity? Acceptance. Go further acceptance of where i am who i am what it is that i want Mm -hmm. what my desires are what god's desires are and living in my purpose fully grasping and knowing that that is my purpose what is your purpose my purpose is to entertain i am here i was put on this earth to to do what i am doing which is give myself to the world in a way so that they can have some peace some healing and even in my voice and conversation I know that I'm supposed to share these stories this testimony mm-hmm. all of the things I'm an open book I have no problem sharing I'm also a tough love loving person who will always be there for the people that I I love and you know so I feel like that is the same thing that television does I'm not in it to be famous right. I just want to work I want to perform well I, w- I would love to be you know I love that my peers you know, I love watching my peers, and I would love for my peers to enjoy watching me. I want to bring joy and love and feeling to the masses if I can. So that's something that I had to know that I'm capable of doing, number one. Number two, en- I enjoy it so much, but I was always dimming my light for other people. And I, I that's no longer a thing. So this is incredible. You know that I could talk to you yes, for hours and ever <laughs> and ever. But what I'm going to do is I have these exit questions okay. that I like to ask people. Okay. It's a game. Okay. I think of it as a game. I like games. Uh, right? So what does true intimacy look like to you? Um, unconditional love. Why do you think we are so obsessed with sex? Because it feels... What's something in your after that you're still working on? 
confidence. You're really nailing them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wow, she's really like, woo. I, really, I just had to okay, go back. I didn't, I didn't want to like ruin your energy. Here we go. Go back into okay. wherever you okay. were. Go take okay. that breath again. Um, what is something people would be shocked to learn about what you went through? No, because I already said that. No, you can say, say it that again. I gave up, uh, that I was going to give up on myself. I almost gave up on myself. What is one thing you'd say to someone going through what you did? Go easy on yourself. Um, you can give me more words. Okay. I know you want to. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I can see. She's uh, like, but please. Go, go easy on yourself. Be patient with yourself. You're not always going to be present, but have someone with you that you can trust to be present for you. And then you can get all the information after. That's beautiful. <laughs> There's something really amazing about when we're asked to be really concise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. That made me emotional, actually. I saw that. I, yeah. Because I think sometimes, and listen, I'm a New Yorker, I always go fast, but when we're caused to slow, like those of us that have a lot of energy, mm -hmm. when we're caused to just sit and slow, mm -hmm. I always find it makes me feel more. Yeah. And I wish I wish I had, you know, I, I love talking to women. Well, I, I have friends who, I met this woman actually who, um, I met years ago, and we just had a phone conversation, and she was like, you changed my entire life. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, I remember you. You talked to my friend Rochette, Rachel, and she told she told me to call you, and you gave me my doctors and my everything, and I'm alive because of you. And I was like, are you kidding me? But also, I don't I, – I remember the interaction, but I, I don't, and I understand that, you know, so friends will be like, hey, can you talk to this person? I'm like, I will – you can give them my number. They probably want to call do. me. Please don't be mad if they don't. Because a lot of people don't not want to have to have conversations. Like Nikia, this. I do the same. I do the <laughs> same exact thing. Yeah. They're like, "Will you call them?" I said, "No,", no. because they might not want to talk to me. Mm -hmm. But let them know. Or sometimes I'll send them an email. I'll mm -hmm. say, you know, give me their email, and I'll say, "If you want to talk, I'm mm -hmm. here." Or I'll just like send them an email, and I'll check in and say, "How did things go with your surgery?" And my my doctors in New York do that with me too, because. It's important it for is. those of us who have been through it. Mm -hmm. But but I do think if the medical community was listening, yes, I think it's really, really important yeah. to have someone there to tell a woman emotionally what this is going to be like. Because listen, they need, I, I the room. they need counselors. Because I recently read a post where uh, a woman who lost her breast at like 20-something, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the doctor never told you she was going to lose sensation. Mm-hmm. That's a huge thing Absolutely. to all of a sudden the surgery's over. You can't get that sensation back. Yeah. Which so, was why I love the honesty of my doctor, which was she was like, you know, I'm going to tell you if you're at a, a double mastectomy, but they need counselors in the room. I, you know, everything is so like a, such a machine. It is a machine. There is no it is a machine. manner and surgeons want to surgery and that's what they're going to do. And, you know, you're going through this and you're shocked and you're, you know, amazed and you don't know how to handle it. And you don't want to necessarily, you know, you believe everything that your doctor says and you don't want to have to go and do extra stuff because you just want to get it done. Right. But I think we, we do have to literally take a second and think about the, the bigger picture of what well the human side of it because I've spoken yeah. like I've done parts of my show uh, at conferences for doctors mm -hmm. and they've walked up to me afterwards and said 
Thank you. Because for them, listen, they're trying to save my life. They're trying mm-hmm. to save your life. Mm-hmm. But for them, it's not the first time. Mm-mm. But for me, it is the first time. It's like dating. You can't ev- treat every person the same. Right. But if they <laughs> if they can walk in that room, and it's hard, mm-hmm. you know, because they're doing this, oh, uh, they're doing this over and over and over again. But to know, just with that insight of knowing, this chokes me up. This is their first time. Yeah. This is Nikia's yeah. first time hearing these yeah. words. This is Amy's first time hearing these words. Yeah. So, um, and that's why, I thank you so much for coming and, and oh, being absolutely. so open and talking because I really, I want to continue having these conversations because I think they're so They're so important. Vital. There's so much more to touch on. Oh, too. it's we like, I feel like we get boop, like yeah, we, we scratched, scratched the surface. We scratched. <laughs> we like literally yeah. scratched the surface. Because yeah. we do have to, talk. I think we do need to, to delve into more of the intimacy part and in relationships and how, how men react sometimes to women who do because I mean it hasn't all been pleasant and, and fabulous and yes I've had all this sex but you know there's also been cruelty too and in, 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 in the perception of you and and how you might look in vanity and, and all of that kind of stuff so yeah oh and, absolutely and, and the Nikita, reasons of the intimacy too absolutely it's they're huge questions yeah. So I don't normally come on after the show is over, but I absolutely had to share this story with you. After the episode ended, this just chokes me up. The engineer approached Nakia and said that he had seen her post on Instagram where she had showed her breast. And he expressed that his mom is also a breast cancer survivor and how Nakia sharing really, really helped him. It was this incredibly beautiful moment to witness, and it deeply, deeply touched all of us. And again, it showed me how vital and how healing it is for us to share our stories and our truth, because we absolutely never know who is listening and whose lives we will touch. So thank you again all so much for listening, and until next time. Sex After is hosted by me, Amy Marks, and is produced by Chris DeRosa. If you enjoy the show, I'd love to hear from you. DM me on Instagram at Amy Marks and Sex After Podcast, or send me a message on my website at amymarks.com. And please follow, rate, and review the show and help us spread the word. Until next time.